Welcome back to today's episode of All About Dharma radio program. Uh, so how how did your understanding of dharma inform your professional life, Anika? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I actually worked from home for almost 21 years. I started working from home when it was not even a norm in 1999. Um, and I was the first employee to work from home. So it had a lot of weightage on me, you know, to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. I'm setting, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm being a good role model. And I felt like, you know, the whole idea of ethics um, uh, that we learn from uh, Gita or, you know, it, it, was, it played a very important role. Um, so I separated, I decided to do three things uh, when I, it came to ethics and work from home. One was to separate the physical workspace from the home uh, workspace. Um, I separated the time spent at work uh, from home. So, you know, I did not work from 3 to 8 p.m. And that was my family time. I worked later till midnight. Um, also, I separated my work and my home finances. So I never expensed out my printer or any other office expenses because I realized once I had my kids, they were using my paper or printer for their own drawings and sketching, right? And so I could not draw that line. And so I think, you know, once I decided that I'm not going to expense out, I was using the printer primarily for my work. But at the same time, I didn't have that feeling that oh, I'm using the printer for my home stuff also. And I feel like, you know, as soon as you use the principles that you're learning in Gita, for instance, or, um, you know, in Dasbot, like Dasbot, if you ever read in that book, um, he talks about Murkhacha Lakshana, which is what are the, uh, you know, what does a stupid person do? You know, basically, so there is a complete chapter dedicated to it. And, you know, you learn so much from these scriptures that you can implement them in, and, and they are real even today. They can be used even for today's daily life, you know, the fast paced life that we are in. So, you know, I think ethics was one of the important things. The second was um, seva. Um, you know, it's a Sanskrit word that represents the act of performing charity work or service uh, without expectation or acknowledgement or recognition. Um, and, you know, seva is applied to anything, right? People, animal, environment, community, your country. Um, it does not require a particular setting or location. So, you know, I felt like that became a very integral part of me. Um, you know, this is very important because seva gives peace of mind and satisfaction to you, uh, something beyond your uh, work domain. And I realized that I was privileged to get everything in my life and that it was my obligation to give back to the community. So I saw how my parents devoted their retirement life and service. And so I started devoting my at least three to four hours a week um, towards service, despite my busy professional life. So I have been teaching yoga to age groups, you know, seven all the way to 85 um, without, you know, charging anything. Um, I coach STEM competitions. I coach robotics. And, you know, this is my service, my, my way of giving back. Or I am a part of a music group and we do a lot of fundraisers. Uh, for many uh, organizations in India. And, uh, you know, through different means, um, you know, this is how I felt like, you know, money, everybody can do the service, right? Donations. But giving your time, I've always felt was very important. This is something I learned from my parents, 
that giving your time is more valuable than giving your money. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, you, you are a teacher of yoga uh, or yoga. Uh, yoga. North Indians <laughs> will say yoga and the South Indian will say yoga. Uh, yoga as understood in the West is often merely physical. Mm-hmm. Does they separate yoga from meditation? Right. But according to our scriptures, yoga has much deeper meaning and its broadest yoga is from the root uh, word yuj in, in Sanskrit, which means to unite. Mm-hmm. So to unite an individual to the divine. Uh, and and uh, most Hindu texts discuss yoga as a practice to control the senses and ultimately the mind. The most famous is the Bhagavad Gita in which uh, chapter 6, you know, Bhagavan Sri Krishna speaks of uh, in chapter 6, he talks about specifically Raj Yoga, but overall he speaks of four types of yoga. Bhakti, which is devotion. Jnan, which is knowledge. Karm, which is action, selfless action. And Dhyan or Raj Yoga, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, what is normally meant as uh, uh, yoga and meditation in the West. As paths to, These are the four paths to achieve moksha or right. the release from the cycle of birth and death. Mm-hmm. And of the four, the description of Dhyana Yoga has the most in common with yoga and meditation that is, as it is largely understood today. Can you please tell us about some details of your practice of yoga teaching? Mm-hmm. Do you in particular bring in Maharshi Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and Vedan, uh, in particular Bhagavad Gita, in your yoga teachings? Um, yeah, you know, you're right. Yoga means to bring together. So here... Uh, what we are bringing together is the body, the breath, and the mind. Um, and, you know, when you bring body, breath, and mind together in Indonesian is when you're able to connect to that one and almighty. So, uh, you know, if you're watching news and doing pranayama, that's not yoga because uh, your mind is somewhere else. And so I always tell my students that, you know, make sure that you are sitting in a quiet place, that you're not thinking about your to-do list. Um, when you are practicing your, uh, you know, your sadhana. Uh, we practice pranadharana during um, uh, the session. So I make sure that, you know, I remind everybody to concentrate on the final pose with deep inhalation and uh, exhalation. Uh, while thinking about the Yoga Sutra, um, sthira sukham asanam. So the sutra literally states that steady and comfortable is an asana. And uh, when your body and mind are steady and comfortable, even when your body is challenged, that it is out, um, you know, not in the comfortable zone, you try to come to that state. Uh, And this is, you know, reminding yourself that you're practicing not to show somebody else that you are able to do a challenging pose, but to try to, you know, find peace in that final pose. Um, My parents are my yoga guru. And um, we follow a combination of yoga styles um, in our teaching. So, um, you know, yoga teaching from Haryom Yoga Kendra Indore. Um, this was founded by three physicians. And the central idea behind this group was um, yoga se rog nivaran. That's what they used to say. You know, how do you practice yoga to make sure that you are uh, free of all the ailments um, that you usually see in this era? Um, you know, how can you lead a healthy life? Uh, without any interventions of drugs. And this is three doctors who are saying, okay, so imagine the dedication they have. Um, we also use Nimbalkar Yog. Uh, Nimbalkar was from Mumbai and his yoga uh, books are also very good. Uh, we use the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali by Sri Swami Sachinanandji. 
Uh, we used Bihar Munger school book, um, especially their Suri Namaskar books is excellent. Um, and their Yog Nidra book also. Um, and also, of course, you know, Ramdev Baba, he's a new phenomena. Um, he's, you know, changed um, India significantly. And But we have been practicing yoga for a long time, right? So we have used some of his easier versions of pranayam because the pranayam that I was, I learned from my parents' guru, uh, you know, it was uh, more difficult than how the simplified pranayam is not now taught. So we have adopted to that also. Uh, but yeah, we discussed the eight limbs of yoga. Uh, which is the yam, niyam, asan, pranayam, pratyadhar, uh, dharana, dhyan, and samadhi. So in our uh, practice, we do discuss that. My typical yoga class runs about 60 to 80 minutes. Uh, 45 minutes is spent on asan. Um, I take different themes, focusing on strengthening back or core or focus on digestion or spine. Uh, many times um, I add shavasan before we transition to pranayam. And we spend about 15 to 20 minutes in pranayam followed by dhyan. Um, in Shavasan, you know, I, I always find tremendous benefits for all age groups. So, you know, working women, I feel they should practice Shavasan in the evening after they get back from work and before they dive down into their household routines of cooking and taking care of kids. Um, I have seen um, sleep deprived young adults and teens, uh, teens, you know, in high school um, snore within two minutes of Shavasan. <laughs> um, you know, young kids who are always very bigly in the beginning um, are able to lay down still at the end of the semester. Um, and, you know, basically, um, we are so tuned to always doing something that not doing anything and disconnecting ourselves from the rest of the world becomes very hard. And I think that's the whole real meaning of Yoga Sutra 1.2, which is Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha, which means our minds are generally busy in constantly moving from one type of mental fluctuation to another. Um, and we are remembering events from the past, thinking about current tasks or, you know, uh, worrying about our future. Um, and by practicing yoga, um, you know, we are able to eliminate these mental fluctuations altogether. And I think that's the essence of yoga. Um, very good, very good. Uh, so after a very productive professional career, you decided to dedicate yourself to seva. Please tell us about this transition. Um, yeah, you know, so I don't, I mean, I don't think I'm, com like, you know, seva has been a part of me even throughout my professional journey. Um, you know, I had a very successful career of 24 plus years in semiconductor field. Um, I was helping customers like Intel, Nvidia, Apple make their chips smaller, faster, and power efficient. A very fulfilling journey. Um, but I realized that in the past, in my next phase of life, um, I want to work for my heart and not so much for my pocket anymore. Um, I'm very passionate about sustainability, um, environmental as well as so social sustainability. Um, my family didn't want me to be a tree hugger for the rest of my life. Um, and so I decided to pursue MBA with sustainability concentration to understand the economics um, behind sustainability. Um, I have absolutely loved my journey of going back to school. Uh, once again, after 25 years, um, this time with an adult mindset, you know, where I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Um, I'm in no rush to find a job. I'm here to learn and explore. Um, and I want to figure out what is it that's going to help me get out of the bed and slog again, you know. Um, so, um, you know, I feel that my mindset of equality complex has helped me to blend with the young students I hang out with. Um, 
you know, doing projects. And, you know, I, I think uh, I feel like I'm their age. Uh, I don't bring the baggage of my past career uh, with me, uh, you know, as I switch to a totally new field. Um, although I want to leverage my experience, but at the same time, I don't have this, uh, you know, process that, okay, this is how much I was making, or this is the position I was at, and that's where I would like to start. I'm actually ready to start as an intern um, uh, as well, pro bono, if that's what is going to be exciting to me. Um, and I'm looking into two fields. Uh, one is impact investment. So, you know, this is investment that you make like, like, an, like a VC. Uh, but now you're giving um, purpose more important than uh, profits. So you look at a company or a startup and you see whether the purpose behind this company is actually going to help environment or how is it going to help uh, you know, bring equity in society. Um, and it's a very exciting field because I feel that a lot can be done for environment as well as social equity with the money. Um, you know, by channelizing the money to these startups. Um, and I'm also interested in ESG consulting space, uh, where I feel like, you know, I will be able to have a bigger impact. Very good. Uh, and uh, I should uh, remind you and the listeners that on March 27th, uh, under the KYD umbrella, we will have a talk by Prakash Bhave, who is an environmental scientist. Oh, so nice. Dharma and environment will be the topic that day. But I really, really appreciate uh, uh, that you took the time to talk to us about uh, uh, your experience through uh, Dharma. And uh, many wonderful ideas have popped up here and we should continue with them. Thank you very much once Definitely. again uh, for participating in this. Thank you so much, Kishore Ji.